0: Welcome to the Keep It It Uplifting Podcast, where we discuss lifestyle, fitness, and motivation. I'm your host, Uplifting, and I have with me a great man today, a business owner, a CEO of a call center, and I can't wait to hear his
1: story and share it with you guys, Richard Blank. Say say hello to the listeners. Hey, James. I'm so happy to be here today. I am definitely going to keep it uplifting and share some great ideas with you and your amazing audience. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So,
0: Richard, I want to I watched a couple of your interviews on YouTube and I wanted to just get a feel for who you were. And I read your bio. But if you could just uh, provide a little bit of background prior to you
1: getting to Costa Rica. Well, absolutely. I'm actually from northeast Philadelphia. So I was born and raised. I'm a Philly boy. And when I graduated the proud Abington High School back in ninety one. I decided to double down on my favorite class, which was Spanish. So I went to the University of Arizona. I was a Spanish communication major. When I was 27 years old, a very good friend of mine gave me a one in a million opportunity to move to Costa Rica and work at his call center for just a couple months and teach English. Well, a couple months turned into four years at my friend's center. And if you can get past your parents' guilt, you can live anywhere in the world. So I decided to stay. And I've been in Costa Rica for 22 years.
0: I took a chance
1: and it's definitely paid off.
0: So your time at uh, your time at the other call center, what what inspired you there to say, hey, I should start my own call center here and build my own culture?
1: Without a doubt, it's one of the best questions. I came into it not as a C-level executive. My friend was very fortunate. He gave me an opportunity to work in multiple departments like customer support, retention, human resources, training, affiliate management, accounting, you name it. So I really learned the business from the inside and out, which is great. But here's the thing. When I was sitting in the cubicles next to thousands of other local Costa Rican Ticos, I was breaking bread with them. I got to see the good and the bad of working at a call center. And for me, I think I cracked a code in regards to empathy. The greatest thing you could do to somebody in any vertical besides a call center is to give them their dignity, to make sure someone doesn't feel expendable like a robot or a number. And Maybe, James, by just going old school. And knowing somebody's name, walking the rows, coaching them, mentoring, encouraging, I was able to build such a foundation where we're celebrating almost our 15th year in business. And so as much as I knew that in order to expand, I needed specialists like an IT department, an attorney that knew the local labor laws, and also an accountant to assist me in the large numbers that were coming in. I was able to focus on other things in in regards to career development and confidence building and self-reliance because I still see the art in the speech. Even though most people today are texting or they're sending emails, I believe that when there is an interaction, a live interaction, you have a much better chance of retaining a client, getting an upsell, getting a referral and keeping that individual and growing your company. And so those are the sort of base foundation ethics and morals that I really try to instill here in my company culture.
0: And you said you've been in business for 15 years. How was year one? Could, could you tell me about any of the struggles or, or or challenges that you had year one of the business? I'm sure there was a lot that you didn't know, right? I know you Whoa. came from the, you know, working in different departments, but what was uh one of the, <laughs> one of your struggles or challenges being on the ownership side?
1: maturity, impulse control, and naturally finances. I worked at my friend's center for four years. And then I worked at my family's real estate company, making calls from Costa Rica to the United States. So that was in between. And when I was in my mid thirties, I realized my earnings potential time was ticking. And I knew this industry so well, I just wanted to throw my hat in the ring. And so I didn't overextend myself. Grandma told me, if I can't do it with cash, you just don't do it at all. And so for me to start, it was very simple. I was working out of my home, but I was able to rent a turnkey station at a blended call center. I didn't have my privacy, but at a turnkey station, I had security, IT support, and coffee in the kitchen. just wasn't my own company. And I was able to scale accordingly on a monthly basis where I paid the taxes, the salary, the overhead, and I made a margin. Now, when you get to a couple dozen agents, it doesn't make sense because you're paying a la carte. And so when I was able to save enough resources, really get a lot of uh, solid clients that were long-term, I took a chance and I started renting space. And so I built out about 150 stations, a server room, and I was there for about six years. And then once again, it's that game of life where you keep going from tent to mansion. I was able to have enough resources, I had enough equipment to where I'm currently In my own call center, which has a 300-seat capacity. So I believe in the tortoise compared to the hare, slow and steady. You should save your money to weather storms like I just set back in 2010, and also COVID hit. And it's not just about me, James. I have a very serious responsibility to give job stability and also to pay taxes here. I am a guest in this country. And so having that sort of maturity and responsibility was was big. I mean, it's, you're carrying that on your shoulders. It's, it's not playtime anymore, but I did realize that I was capable of handling that. And, and obviously with that sort of stress comes the rewards, but I I knew I was over my head within the first two months. I was doing everything by myself. And once I got to about a dozen agents, my wife who was a top saleswoman at Cafe Brit at the airport selling high-end jewelry. She decided to work with me. And if it weren't for my wife, I might be the owner. She's the boss. There's no way we would be here today. And so, putting pride aside, you realize that there are individuals that you should bring on board to work with you. And right. if you can have that sort of faith in other individuals, you should be able to scale and grow business. Huh.
0: So, you have the the business in Costa Rica, 15 years of success and there's never been a want or desire to bring that back to uh, stateside at all, anywhere. You know, Absolutely back none.
1: home, no chance. In fact, the cost of living is about a third here. The oh, skill okay. sets and the agents here. So, so running a business here, the margins are better, and I have a specific labor pool that I'm able to fulfill the needs in the states. And it's it would be expensive back home. And also, how could I stand up and start trying to teach people English when they may speak it better than I do? So when I'm here and I have individuals where English is their second language, I have the ability to mold them and to expand on their vocabulary with things like a thesaurus. My own personal experience, I'm able to eliminate any sort of bad habits and mentor some of these individuals. And so in the United States, James, when people see call centers as a transitional job, or they'll look down upon it, in Costa Rica, it pays more than most vocations. If you're very good on the phone, you may earn more than a doctor and an attorney. So these individuals that are with me find the stimulation in speaking a second language. So they're getting that sort of return on investment in their education. And so I think there is multiple areas in which I do have an advantage by being an expatriate and living offshore. Hmm.
0: And I, I believe you said it's a it's paying a better salary than most doctors and higher salary positions that we have here. Does that affect It'll your churn salary. rate?
1: But the incentive if you're good on the phone, right. you could earn through bonuses and okay. other sort of prizes more money than what a doctor could, yes.
0: Okay. And how do you keep how do you keep uh, employee morale? Like it does that help with churn that you know the call center job is such a valuable, reliable position there?
1: It is. And in Costa Rica, we have companies such as Amazon, HP, Intel, and Oracle. Mm. Such as other the large call centers like Sykes Teleperformance Concentrics Converges. And so I compete against the big boys. I can match their basing benefits. I will lose people through a natural attrition James. They'll leave me for a scheduling conflict because of university. Maybe their boyfriend or girlfriend works there. Could be closer to their home. And let's be realistic, there are it's a seller's market. There might be campaigns that pay more money than I do. So people do leave. But very rarely, if never. Someone will say that I gave them the walk of shame. I defaced them on the floor, even made them cry. I mean, we invest so much money to build somebody up. Why would we want to fire them? But I do have to follow certain labor laws. But no, there is an attrition rate in this industry. There is burnout. I myself, I didn't burn out. I thrived in this industry. I really enjoyed it. I I still see the art of this speech and I know that people can find fulfillment when they can assist somebody on the phone, but it's a different sort of mentality. If you've never done it before, you need to build the endurance for it because sitting in a very controlled environment for 160 hours a month, taking and receiving calls can be jarring on the mind. But if I can instill certain, not games, but ways to look at it in a logical way where you can almost have a more lucid conversation. I, I do discuss advanced telemarketing skills and phonetic microexpression reading. So I can have these agents more engaged. Their active listening skills, the times when they do name drops or let's just say they're doing tie downs, pin down questions or clarification questions. Even using the military alphabet can reduce any sort of rabbit holes and assist you in pronouncing someone's unique and exotic name correctly. Not having emails bounce back, which is frustration as well. So sometimes it's soft skills. It could be structure and discipline. But the one thing I do is I will ensure that you are given all of the resources to reduce any sort of fear that you may have in regards to making these sort of phone calls.
0: It seems like you love teaching as more so than running a business, right? Because you're teaching people the language, you're teaching people how to. Uh, communicate with uh, your clients on stateside. Is is that something that comes to you naturally? Have you Has that always been a part of you or is it something that you picked up once you started learning the language and you moved over to Costa Rica?
1: I was fascinated when I saw the structure of a call center, especially a quality control department that will gauge you on KPIs and, and will give you specific coaching. And I think that's fine. I think I'm paying you to ask specific questions to qualify a phone call. But for me, I, I felt it was, I was getting complacent. It was boring. It was monotonous. So I, I tried to find ways to expand on my skills without acting the fool or getting in trouble. And so there are certain things where you can have much more um, fulfilling conversations with people, get referrals out of them, or even have a positive escalation, James, where they'll ask to speak to a supervisor to talk about me or they'll write a letter post-call to say what sort of job I did. And so for me, that, that's, that's the icing on the cake. That's my dessert first. I'll do the administration side and run a business, but I get my own satisfaction seeing gentlemen like yourself and others that can crack codes and get to different levels. Or if somebody comes to me And they've increased in their vocabulary because they watched a movie from the BBC and started taking things out of there because they like certain expressions or transitional sentences. Obviously, James, you see that somebody is doing dedicated practice outside of the office? They they literally are practicing their violin. They're not just putting in the eight hours a day. They're going home and they are recording themselves. They're reading in English. They're looking at the, the source of the dictionary because they see the craft. And that is where I get that sort of respect for somebody that is building on their own skills,
0: well, we also uh, on the podcast we often talk about the sacrifices that need to be made to achieve certain levels of success, and you seem to be right there at a at a level of success that I'm sure that many are trying to ascertain right so what i what i would what I would say or what I'm asking is how do you deal with that? You you have a family, you have a wife, at, at least, right? That I you, uh, you know, I think you guys recently celebrated a milestone. So how do you manage the business and the family at the same time?
1: My family in the United States, I mentioned earlier about getting past your parents' guild. I, when I graduated high school, a lot of my friends are going to medical school, law school, studying engineering and architecture. And for me, I, I wanted to double down on a second language. Now, growing up, you can be given certain uh, opinions and careers could be predestined for you. Mm-hmm. And I myself, it was very difficult to compare notes because most people weren't language majors or they didn't decide to move abroad. It was just more go, Richard, go. And I'm glad to see your enthusiasm. But here's <laughs> the skin. Back in the uh, early 20th century, My great-grandparents came over from Eastern Europe to New York City, and they learned English. They were in the garment industry. They might have skipped two generations, but I told my parents, look what great-grandpa did. He came here in 1905. Why can't I leave the country in 2000? Instead of going east, I was going south. And we're nomads. These are the sort of things that you might be driven to. I believe in vision quests. I believe in spiritual life journeys. I don't think you need to be uh, reckless and a rebel with your life and your time as long as you're responsible with good intentions. But obviously, uh, there were certain things that were driving me towards languages, moving abroad and trying to build things together. So as much as I wish there was a blueprint to do this, I kind of fell into it. And the Ooh. fact that I gravitated towards it meant that it's wu-wei, that it was very natural and there's no resistance. Now, right. in regards to my wife and myself, it's very good. She's in charge of the human resources department. I do the marketing, the sales, and, and, and the onboarding. We have two different offices, two different floors, but right. Uh, we don't bring the business home. We have an excellent, excellent relationship. Right. And the fact that this individual, once again, did not study human resources, but now is a licensed director on this and is now studying law. It's incredible where my wife's career has gone with this. And so um, it's a blessing every day. And, you know, sometimes you have to pay the price to be an owner of a company. And there are certain haters out there. There might be people with sour grapes, but it's not for me. It's I can't hit the ball and drag Johnny. James, if you don't come to work on time, if you don't make your phone calls, if you are not coachable, there's nothing I can do for you. You know, you're holding yourself behind. But um, as I mentioned, if you can show sincerity towards people and the fact that I dress for this job, I come to work on time. You and I, even though we don't know each other well, look at the sort of communication that we had prior to getting on this podcast. It was a goal of ours. It had to be rescheduled multiple times, but it was going to get done. And the fact that you and I were communicating in real time and touching base, that's what professionals do. And if I were able to continue with the way that I was raised, not just by my family, but by my teachers, my mentors, my sports coaches, my best friends, these were the side of things that I know could weather storms. They gave me the endurance to last. I I had enough faith in that in order to carry mm-hmm. me through.
0: So uh, you talked a little bit about it before we got started. I asked you if there was anything specific that you wanted oh, to yeah. speak on, and uh, you you do have the pinballs in the background, and I've seen on a couple of interviews that you've uh, mentioned that as well. Could you give my listeners a little insight into not only the pinballs but the the uh, the game rooms that you have at the call center as well.
1: I grew up in the 1970s and 1980s. And if you ever remember the show Silver Spoons or Ricky Schroeder, we all wanted that arcade. And so <laughs> growing up $5 at the last year, a whole Saturday. And <laughs> now that I have, you know, disposable income, you can choose what you want to spend your money on. And I love treasure hunting. So down here, I'll constantly looking for things. I'll drive a couple hours to some guy's bodega to pick up a 1976 <laughs> pinball machine for just a couple hundred dollars, it's very easy to fix them. There's places in the United States where you can buy the parts, and I have electricians here that work on them. But I, I collect pinball, I collect jute boxes, and retro arcade machines. In fact, over my right shoulder is a beautiful 1961 Ricola Regis, yeah. and. These machines to me give me such joy, the restoration, the beauty of the marquees and the play fields and the craftsmanship and the fact that the old electronics is kind of cool. And most of these agents, these games are older than they are. And as much as they say they played pinball on the Internet, well, let me put it this way. There's a lot of things that you can do live. They're a lot better than virtual. But I created an environment, James. You mentioned the game room. yes. It's a neutral environment, free play, of course. People can recharge their batteries, let off steam, hang out with me and their other friends, and it reduces attrition, but it's my passion. And before any sort of training class, I'll have all the new agents in there for about 20 minutes to a half an hour, so they can can play, they can bond. So instead of just absorbing, now they're contributing because their stress levels are next to nothing. That's very important for me. So I don't want you to go outside to have a cigarette. Don't put your face on a phone by yourself in the corner. Go hang out with five of your buddies and and, you know, get yourself ready for the second half push. And I believe that those are the sort of things that make people incredible. Right. So my last question for you is how do
0: you compete with you mentioned Amazon, I believe HP and other companies that you know, are are well-known here in the States. How do you compete with them on a regular basis to not only retain talent, but uh, gain more talent on a, you know, regular basis, right? Because I assume that you're trying to grow the business, right? Like there's no... yeah. So how do you do that? I'm sorry.
1: First and foremost, I'm extremely selective of the campaigns that come in here. This is a very strict Catholic country. So I just want to ensure that the agents can come home and tell their parents what they do for a living. Mm-hmm. I'm very capable of matching the base and benefits of these other companies. My location is centrally located, so most of my agents can walk here. But let's just look at the call center Olympics. There are certain events that I do win. I do know everybody's name. I get a gold medal on that. The gamification culture. Jeff Bezos has thousands of agents here for Amazon. He does a great job. He gives a ton of work down here. Spends a lot of money. But you know, Jeff didn't have the time to play pinball with everybody. So I think that's something I do. And prior to making a single phone call to a client, I always give about two hours worth of soft skills training on my own time. Mm -hmm. And these are the sort of things where if you're talking about someone that is severely old school and has options, has leverage, they can choose where they want to go. Those are the sort of things that may be a deal maker for these individuals because they've been at other centers, they've been expendable. They just feel like they don't have the chance for any sort of delegation or promotion or growth. And with me, I invest and it's not for everybody. Some people just like to lose themselves amongst thousands, but then there's other James that like to make names for themselves. And I tell you what, in order for me to scale, a lot of the times, if I got to hire 20 people, Half of them might be freshmen. These could be individuals that never worked in the center before. Excellent English skills might have worked in other verticals. But guess what happens? They're not coming in with bad habits. They're not a cancer, right? They're not going to jump from the center, right? Mm -hmm. You and I can mold them like a squire to a knight. And we can work with them and help them grow. It's very easy to teach somebody a phone system and a computer system. One thing that's difficult is that sort of fidelity and loyalty that somebody has towards a company. And so if I can give that sort of first impression, and letting them know it's not a job, this really could be a career, and I'm the individual to get you there, hopefully be the last boss you ever have. That's why, because I'm not thousands, I'm 150, and I'm growing, but I can be selective as well of those that come into the center, James. I don't need to do a cattle call. And so that sometimes gives me an advantage as well. I can be very selective.
0: Nice. Nice. Well, Richard, I I don't have any uh, questions for you. Do you have any uh, anything coming up that you want to let my listeners know about or any contact information where they can reach you? And of course, we're going to add that to the show notes as well.
1: Thanks, James. I appreciate that. I I would love for your audience to buy a a plane ticket and come down and and visit me here in Costa Rica. It's a beautiful place. (laughs) And also, I just want to let you know that I have a Facebook fan page, 101,000 members. And so when this goes live, you're going to get thousands of new fans. And it will also give your audience a chance to see the pulse of the business outsourcing industry in Central America. Now, just for your audience, and it's not a final exam question, I'm north of Panama, south of Nicaragua. We're the only democratic society in Central America. There's no standing army. They put all that money back into education. There's a 95% literacy rate. We have the best infrastructure. They claim that Costa Ricans have the most neutral English accent. We're known for medical tourism and especially eco-tourism. If you like waterfalls and beaches and zip lining, rainforest, monkeys, Uh, Butterflies, iguanas, exotic fruit—this is definitely the place for you. And a lot of people love visiting here. And I have plenty of suggestions to make for your audience if they want to come down.
0: Okay. Well, thank you again, Richard, for coming on. I appreciate your time. I'm looking forward to maybe touching base with you again. As most of my guests, I like to have them back. You know, if they're rolling out a book or anything new that's going on in their life. You know, we like to definitely have them here first if possible. So I really appreciate you coming on today. It has been a journey and I've learned so much from this. So I just want to say thank you. And to all my listeners, keep it up. Make sure to like comment, share and most importantly, keep it up. I want to thank you guys for listening. Please be sure to check out the site. Keep it Dot com to stay in touch with all of us at, here at the podcast we would love to hear from you especially myself the main host but we would love to hear from you any topics you would love to talk about and we just dropped the discipline shirts and hoodies on the store uh, you can also reach that from keep it up, the link to that will be in the listen notes as well uh, and just want to say we appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast. Thank you so much. Always and always keep it uplifting.